I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and 21st Century Equipment talks with Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial. Before we head over to their conversation, I wanted to invite you to join us this August 4th through 5th at the Dealership Mind Summit in Omaha, Nebraska. Based on the feedback of past attendees, our Dealer Advisory Board, and the Dealership of the Year Alumni Group, we're bringing back the focus on used equipment remarketing. Space is limited for this dealers-only event. Register today at dealershipmindsummit.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Sean start things off talking about the coronavirus and how the pandemic could impact demand for various commodities. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and Sean is a wealth of knowledge, and he's on here every week, and I'm glad that he is because he's got his ear to the ground, and he hears all kinds of stuff coming down the rail here, and this week has been a crazy week, man. This coronavirus has got people all kinds of stirred up. Markets kind of responded yesterday because supposedly they found some sort of cure or some way to kind of head it off a little bit and bring it back down to some manageable numbers. I'm still kind of concerned with the information that comes out of China because we saw it happen with the, or is happening still with African swine fever and they've got people locked up in their houses and cities the size of New York. So it makes me wonder that it might be a little worse than what they think. So I guess, Sean, talk to me about what you see happening right now and, and the effects this market's having because of this virus. Well, in our report, we came out this week, we kind of did an analysis of past pandemics. We've had them before. We get a couple of them every 100 years. And so we just went back and said, what can we expect? We've been down this road before. And what we found was, regardless of government action, regardless of cures or not cures, what we found was is that there is certainly going to be a short-term economic impact and a short-term demand loss for commodities. That is clear. What is also clear, it's short-term. Each of these instances, we had two or three months of some pretty significant disruption. And the, these viruses burn themselves out over a two or three month period, and then they just go away. And then all this demand that was lost is pent up. It comes back, and we have a rip-roaring market later on post-outbreak. And so we would have to believe we're going to see the same pattern here. We're going to have a couple of difficult months with demand and with global economy, and more stories about this outbreak is not contained yet, but then it's just going to go away. And from late spring into the fall, we think we could have a wild demand spike at a time where we could have some weather problems here in the U.S. or over in Europe or Russia. So we're pretty optimistic there's a buying opportunity that's developing here. What we also found is that it's front and loaded. They usually price most of this in, Casey, about a month after the outbreak is understood. And so that tells us late February should be where the worst of it, of any downside is going to happen. And so we're pretty optimistic. We don't think this is a game changer. We don't think this ruins the year. We just think that it's a bump in the road, but offers some really good buying opportunities if you're on the buy side of the market and also offers some great selling opportunities later on in the year. Okay. So one thing we haven't talked about for a little while is the cotton market. I read a few articles yesterday about Indian cotton getting kind of at 650,000 bales they were supposed to ship over to China and 400,000 of those have gotten delivered, but 250,000 are yet to get there and they're delayed because of the coronavirus and stuff that we see happening over there. Cotton market obviously seemed to be a little bit fragile anyway, and we saw some upticks here and there, but here of late, it looks like the markets have been bouncing around a little bit. So talk about the cotton market a little bit and kind of what you see happening there. 
every ag market has a certain seasonal pattern, how they grow it, how they harvest it, where the demand comes from. And cotton has an uncanny consistency of liking the top in the month of March. It's usually when we get a good idea of U.S. planting intentions. So we've had this big, big rally as you know, and we have been sort of in this topping pattern, this right into the 70 cents, and we just haven't been able to make forward. And when we're looking at the calendar here, we're not too far away from the zone where the market likes to typically top out. And given where cotton prices are relative to competing crops that could be planted in the deep south, we think extra acres are going to get in the ground. So we're kind of getting on the idea that one might want to be a seller in here. It could be a period of a pretty good top for a while until we get into some summertime weather. So We'd be very mindful of any rallies to sell. If you're a cotton producer, you think this is the wrong time of the year to be overly bullish. And of course, cotton is economically sensitive. We're going to have some demand problems for a little while. So cotton just seems like a market that's run out of gas here. There's been tons of talk and speculation and all this stuff about how this coronavirus is a, is a great out for the Chinese to not continue on, at least immediately, anyhow, whatever they need to buy at this particular point for phase one to continue. So you've heard that back and forth. I'm not necessarily buying it. I think that's more just the news cycle needing something to talk about and, and <laughs> just something else for them to do. I, I really believe China is wanting to make this thing happen, and they're feeling the hit and the squeeze over there just like everybody else is. Then you throw this virus on top of that, their GDP is just going to start to shrink. Obviously, it's just going to be their economy is just going to go down and down and down. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on, what do you feel like some of the high points are going to be out of this initial phase one thing? What do you think has the biggest chance to really jump up and take off running? We think ethanol okay. uh, is one of the markets that we really think could be a sleeper. It's, it's talked about a little bit, but not that much. We know the Chinese want to use a lot more ethanol in their fuel They've chopped up through all their garbage corn to make the ethanol that they could, and they're running out of the garbage corn. And so we feel that given that the U.S. is a very good producer of ethanol, we know how to make it and we do it real well, that we think that that would be a market they would have a real reason to buy. And we think that they'll come in when, I think February 15th, from what I understand from the agreement, is when they're supposed to start this buying of the various commodities that they want to buy. We think ethanol would be a clear a market that could really take off. And even though that's not buying corn directly, it is, in fact, buying corn directly because if they buy a bunch of ethanol and the ethanol producers have to make more, they'll bid up corn domestically. And I actually prefer domestic demand because it's good for bases, it's good for local farmers than, than exports. So to me, I'd really keep an eye on the ethanol. We think there could be a real shocker there as we move into the spring especially given that we have a much smaller crop this year for corn. With China's whole 2025 initiative they've got, they want to kind of transition over to more uh, renewable fuels, electric cars, those kind of things. Do you feel like ethanol might have some opportunity, more so in China than maybe in the U.S., as we start to kind of go down that electric car road with this whole renewable fuel thing? Well, they have a huge pollution problem. We don't really have a pollution problem here in the U.S. We used to. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, 70 sure years did. ago, 100 yeah. years ago, you know, we had terrible pollution problems. We kind of cleaned our act up, but they have terrible pollution problems there. And so they're trying all kinds of different ways to clean up their air. I was over there a year ago, and, I mean, everyone was wearing masks. It was a perpetual fog, and it wasn't fog. It was smog. It was terrible. Mm. So ethanol is clearly, you know, I would even call it biodiesel really going to be part of the solution that they're going to be deploying to clean up the rat, to clean up the air. I mean, even the sanitary problems that might have caused this canola virus. I mean, they have a lot of work to do to become a first world country in terms of cleanliness and pollution. So we cannot imagine that they're going to be walking away from ethanol anytime soon. And the two most prolific producers of ethanol are the U.S. and Brazil. And I think they need 
both of us solve their problem. They do not have enough capacity within the country to do it. So you know, everyone's bearish on ethanol. We're very optimistic because we do think it's the big story going forward. It's a big story 10 years ago when the U.S. was going after it. We think we are seeing China doing the same thing 10 years ahead. Now. So, so we really like the ethanol industry here. We think a renaissance is coming and we think that the worst is over. We'll get back to Casey and Sean in a moment, but first a quick reminder about the Dealership Mind Summit. Remarketing managers and top dealership management won't want to miss this two-day intensive on used equipment remarketing. Visit dealershipmindsummit.com to register. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Sean talk about the hog market and how both African swine fever and the coronavirus have impacted supply and demand in China. They also discuss the USMCA agreement. One of the uh, biggest hit, I would say, I mean, cattle, I guess, got hit a little bit hard, but the hogs have just gotten smacked around here pretty good since this coronavirus thing came out. This week so far, there's been a record number of kills already. We're already way up there, like 49,000 head have been uh, slaughtered this week so far, in the first two days of the week anyway. I guess talk about the hog market, and I mean, that's just like the little engine that could sometimes, and then other times it's they leave it neutral, let it roll back down the hill. So I guess talk about that a little bit and where you see that headed. What's interesting is we went back and looked at how hog prices traded in past pandemic scares, and it was always one of the hardest hit markets because the U.S. obviously is a huge exporter of it. And especially now because of African swine fever, we ramped up production to sell. And if you worry about your number one buyer is going to walk away for a while and you're still producing a lot, like you said, it's slaughter this week, you kind of reach this air pocket and the market just you know, falls apart. What we did know from past crashes that a bottom typically takes place once the outbreak, and we move beyond the peak panic of the outbreak. And so it's probably one of the best rebound opportunities out there is the hog market once we get through whatever final panic phase we have to get through here over the next whatever few weeks or so. But we think the V bottom, because no matter what happens, they still need the pork. They'll have to buy the pork. And then I saw that it looks like bird flu is resurfaced. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And remember, one of the things that's been kind of helping them out is they've been producing a lot of chickens over there. I think their chicken production is up 15% year over year, but if they're getting rid of a bunch of flocks like they have to do, and no one in China trusts domestic chicken production, and they even mean even more protein from outside. So there's a big trade here, Casey, and hogs. I know I've been saying that for a while, and it's never going to happen. But based upon the pattern of last pandemics that we've seen, hogs are always one of the hardest hit, but they're always one of the biggest rebounders post-tanic. So we really think there's an opportunity here. Our smart money algorithm has already shown some pretty bullish behavior on the initial break, and we're really looking forward to seeing Friday's data we think we could have a massive buy signal here. So we're really constructive that the hog market has seen the worst of it. It's just a question of when we get this. We kind of look at it like the cattle market last year, the Tyson fire, yeah. but it crashed and burned. Yep. And then we had this V bottom. We think hogs are set up just like that market was last year for a different reason. Well, I mean, I tell you what, the hog market is, is one of those things that is, I don't know that it can get a whole lot worse. I mean, I know it's been a lot worse, but I mean, where it's, at TradeNet right now, it's almost like an artificial number almost. There's really no, I mean, yeah, I know we have a lot of supply, but there's so much demand out there that it's hard to believe that we haven't And, and even the USMCA that we signed, which is going to mean more Mexican purchases, of, they're another huge buyer of our work. I mean, yeah, it doesn't, a panic. Panic is irrational. It's irrational, and that, but that's where the opportunity lies. There's no, I mean, you would never get this shot. We have something like this take place, and it is part of the history of the hog market to do this. So it's not like it's expected the hog market would do this based upon how it's traded past pandemics. 
whatever reason. Yeah. So. It's been a crazy ride, man. Hog market's yeah. been bouncing all over the place. One more thing I'll talk to you about. I think I wanted to talk about wheat for a minute. There's some pressure on wheat right now. I have to see how things come out. We had some planting issues this year, getting stuff planted in the wheat belt. And then we've had some fairly cold weather that's kind of hovered over some of the wheat belt and some frosts and freezes and stuff like that. I've talked to several guys that down in the, like the Texas Panhandle and they're talking about the lack of cows that are actually out on wheat grass right now through the winter here. And you take a look at what's going on in Australia, the stuff that's happening in the Black Sea region, and they miraculously found a bunch of grain they didn't know they had. And then you got all this stuff and going on like Egypt right now. They're talking about basically that they're just marginally up in the acres that they've planted. So I don't know. It seems like there's uh, some pressure there maybe, but not enough certainty to know what to do, I guess, in the wheat market. Yeah, I mean, we're long-term bullish the wheat market. We have been long-term bullish the wheat market. We have been warning in recent weeks of a short-term top. We reached some really important overhead resistance. You know, we were trading the lack of exports coming out of Russia, which seemed, like I said, all of a sudden, there seemed to be some increased supply that magically came out of nowhere, apparently. And it's just a long time of the year for the wheat market to rally. We always talk about seasonals with cotton and other markets. It likes to correct into the early spring. And so it's just time for a correction. But we don't think this is it. We think the bigger top is coming. We think that when we get into the spring season, a lot of warm, dry weather in the U.S., especially in the areas that have already been impacted by wet, cold weather, are going to come back to roost. And we're also very, very concerned that we might see some, we've been watching this locust swarm problem going on in Africa, in the Middle East, in India. And of course, the Middle East is a large, large buyer of wheat. So we think there's a lot of reasons from mid-spring onward to be pretty bullish wheat again. We don't think we're there yet. And of course, this coronavirus is just another excuse to sell the market when we're vulnerable to be sold. But we think there's going to be an opportunity to buy the wheat market here probably in March. I mean, that's kind of our general time frame. And we'll be looking for our smart money algorithm kind of fine-tuned when we're getting those readings to get back in. But we're very optimistic we has more to go, just not right now. Right. So. Sounds good. Well, Sean, plenty of stuff going on, man. Like always, there's a million things going on out there and a million reasons to get a hold of you to figure out what's the best thing to do. So if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com is a great place to go. We also, people wanted to take a look at some of our report that we put out this week. We go over this past pandemic. It's a pretty interesting report that gives them an idea of what's going on. There's so much misinformation that might be something they wouldn't want to take a look at. They can certainly contact us via email if they want to see that report. That report that he put out this week is a good one. I mean, I read through it and the uh, correlations between past events and what's going on now are so identical. I mean, just they're almost like a identical twins sitting next to each other. It's just there's a lot of good information there. So yeah, it's you- startling. It's quite remarkable. They can just email us at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com and we'll be more than happy just to send it to them on this you know as being a listener to your program right on i appreciate that sean well i'm casey seaman with moving iron podcast check out the podcast on anywhere you can find podcasts itunes google play wherever hit me up on twitter facebook instagram at moving iron llc also check out the global ag network and all the other great podcasters out there with that being said i'm casey seymour for sean hackett let's go move some iron folks out Thanks, Casey and Sean. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all of our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash Expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our SB Expert blog. Also, don't forget to head over to dealershipmindsummit.com to register for the 2020 Dealership Mind Summit in Omaha. 
you can keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Sean, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.